Uh, this afternoon we will be considering Baptist Catechism questions 44 through 47. We considered question 44 last week in brief, but it was more of an overview of the entire Baptist Catechism. So we'll return to it briefly today, uh, and we will go all the way through question 47. You know I have um, kind of a schedule that I'm following. We will make our way through this Baptist Catechism once every two years according to this plan. I have it broken into 85, maybe 84 lessons now to leave us room for our members meetings that we have four times a year and our quarterly gatherings four times a year. Uh, So one of the reasons we're handling so many questions at once this afternoon is because we're a little behind, uh, so we need to catch up a bit. But it works. Uh, These questions do uh, go together uh, very nicely. Let me read them now to you. Question 44. What is the duty which God requireth of man? Answer. The duty which God requireth of man is obedience to His revealed will. Question 45. What did God at first reveal to man for the rule of His obedience? Answer. The rule which God at first revealed to man for His obedience was the moral law. Question 46. Where is the moral law summarily comprehended? Answer. The moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. Question 47. What is the sum of the Ten Commandments? Answer. The sum of the Ten Commandments is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, and with all our mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. This afternoon I would like to read Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Hear now the reading of God's Word. But when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets." This is now the reading of God's most holy word. May He add His blessing to the teaching of it this afternoon. Last week we entered into the third and final large section of our catechism when we considered question 44, which asks, What is the duty which God requireth of man? Again the the answer, the duty which God requireth of man is obedience to His revealed will. Duty means responsibility or obligation. So the question is this, what does God expect man to do? What is man's obligation before God? What is his responsibility or duty? And in that sermon I pointed out that this is a very important question and it's also very timely. By timely I mean it is the right question to ask at this point in our catechism given all that we have learned. And what have we learned? Well in brief we have learned about God We have learned that God, the triune God, who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, and is being wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth, is our Creator. He is the Creator of all things seen and unseen. He has given us life, and He sustains us continuously. More than this, we have also learned that though we have sinned against God, He has redeemed us. God the Father has accomplished our redemption through the Son, And He effectively applies its benefits to His elect by the working of the Holy Spirit. 
We've learned all about this in questions 7 through 43. We've learned about God, our Creator, our Sustainer, and our Redeemer. And if you have been paying attention to this teaching, if you have believed it in the mind and received it in the heart, if you have grasped, at least to some degree, the glory of God and His goodness to us in Christ Jesus, then I think you will agree with me that this is the right question to ask. What is the duty which God requireth of man? In other words, how should I respond to this holy and awesome God and to the marvelous grace that He has shown to me in redeeming me from bondage to sin? This is the question that a creature should ask of his Creator. Do you, do you agree with me? This is the question that a creature should ask of his Creator. What do you want from me? What is the duty that you require of me? You are my Creator. I am your creature. And therefore, I am obligated by the very nature of that relationship to serve you. And this is even more so the question that one who has been redeemed should ask of his Redeemer. We ought to respond to God, our Creator and Redeemer, saying, I am grateful. I owe you everything. What do you, O God, what do you, my Savior, require of me? The question is fitting. It's timely. Again, the answer, the duty which God requireth of man is obedience to His revealed will. We, we are obliged to obey God, our Creator and Redeemer. Out of reverence for Him and out of gratitude for all that He has done for us through Christ to redeem us, we owe Him obedience. Obedience to what? Our catechism is right to say obedience to His revealed will. When we speak of God's will, we are speaking of His command or His decree. And His will may be considered in two different ways. First, we may speak of God's hidden or secret will. This is God's will or decree concerning all that will come to pass in history. Why do we call it His secret or hidden will? It is because God has not revealed it to us. He has not, he has not told us about it for the most part. What will happen tomorrow? Answer, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. The future is a mystery to us, but does God know what will happen tomorrow? We say, yes, He does, and He knows it. Not only because he can see the future, but because he has decreed what will happen in the future. And we call this his hidden will. The biblical teaching concerning God's decree was summarized for us way back in Baptist Catechism number 10. What are the decrees of God? Answer, the decrees of God are his eternal purpose, according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. Baptist Catechism, question and answer 10, teaches us about God's hidden, secret, or decreed will. But notice, we are not called to obey God's hidden will. Did you hear what I just said there? We are not called to obey God's hidden will. For how could we? He has not revealed it to us. But we are called to obey God's revealed will, and that is what we are beginning to talk about now in our catechism. We are called to obey God's revealed will, that is to say His laws or His commandments which He has given to us. And that is the second way that we speak of God's will. His revealed will is His law. You know, one thing I have noticed over the years is that 
people sometimes get this backward. They obsess over knowing God's hidden will while ignoring God's revealed will. Are you with me on this? I think our young people should especially pay attention right now, but it's probably true even of those who are more advanced in years. We sometimes obsess over knowing God's hidden will while ignoring God's revealed will. Even Christians can fall into this trap of of obsessing over questions like this. What is God's plan for my life? Or what does the future hold for me? While failing to do that which God has clearly commanded. And in fact, Jesus has warned us about this. In Matthew 6.25 we read, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. You notice this has to do with things that are future, (laughs) provisions for the future. And a little later on in that same text he says, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What is Jesus saying here? It's a marvelous teaching. He's saying stop being obsessed with questions about the future. Stop being obsessed with things that are outside of your control. Trust God for those things. Trust Him for provision. And here is what you are to seek instead. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In other words, focus on this. Focus on furthering God's kingdom. Focus on being a citizen in God's kingdom. Focus on living a life that is right before Him. In other words, focus on obeying His revealed will and stop obsessing over His hidden will for you concerning the future. Questions 45 through 47 of our catechism clarify which law it is that we are obligated to obey and where it is found. So we are obligated to obey God's revealed will, uh, that is to say, that which He has commanded. And questions 45 through 47 clarify which law we are obligated to obey and where it is found. First, in question 45, we are rightly taught that God's revealed will, or His law, uh, was first written on the heart of man at creation. What did God at first reveal to man for the rule of His obedience? Answer, the rule which God at first revealed to man for His obedience was the moral law. You, you would do well to notice that Romans 2.14-15 and 5.13-14 are listed as proof texts for this question and answer. Romans 2.14-15 teaches that God wrote His law on man's heart at creation. And Romans 5.13-14 teaches that God's law was in fact in the world prior to the giving of the Ten Commandments at Sinai. So, we will come to talk about the Ten Commandments. But the point that is here being made is that before the Ten Commandments were given, before they were written on stone, God's moral law was present in the world, for it was written on man's heart When God created man, when God made Adam, He gave Adam the moral law. God's law was not given for the first time when it was written on those stone tablets and given to Israel through Moses. No, God's law was first written on the heart of man when God created him. Adam knew right from wrong and good from evil because God made him in his image. Man has the moral law written on his heart. He knows right from wrong. He knows good from evil. Now granted, 
man is now fallen. This law is now badly bent out of shape, marred, distorted, and suppressed within him, so that men by nature love what is evil and flee from what is good. But it is important for us to confess that God made man with this capacity to know right from wrong, and that man was upright in the beginning and did in fact know good from evil. Secondly, question 46 connects the moral law of God, which was written on man's heart at the beginning, and is universal and unchanging therefore, with the Ten Commandments that were written on stone and given to Israel at Sinai. Listen to question 46. Where is the moral law summarily comprehended? Answer, the moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. That question and answer are worded very carefully to guard against error. I've often talked about how beautiful our catechism is Important things are said very briefly, but they're said with precision so as to not lead us astray. Here the answer again, the moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. It's worded this way for good reason. One, it is clear that there is a connection between the moral law that was written on man's heart in the beginning and the Ten Commandments. Do you wish to know God's moral law? which is binding for all people, living in all times and places, then you should go to the Ten Commandments, for there the moral law is comprehended or known. Two, it is also important to notice that the moral law and the Ten Commandments are not equated by our catechism. They are not equated. If they, the moral law and the Ten Commandments, were the exact same thing, the question would have been more direct, perhaps something like this, Where do we find the moral law? And the answer would have simply been, in the Ten Commandments. Instead, the question and answer are more nuanced. Where is the moral law summarily comprehended? The moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. Summarily comprehended means summarized in a way that is clear and knowable. It is important that the question and answer be phrased in this way for two reasons. First of all, There are some things stated in the Ten Commandments that were unique to Old Covenant Israel and are not, therefore, for all people living in all times and places. In other words, not everything stated in the Ten Commandments is to be regarded as moral law. Take, for example, the preface which mentions Israel's redemption from Egypt. That was unique to them. It's not true for all people. Consider also the commandment to observe the Sabbath day on the seventh day. We are to observe the Sabbath day on the first day of the week in light of Christ's resurrection from the dead. Also, remember the blessings attached to the keeping of the fifth commandment, namely blessings in the land that would be given to Israel. Honor your father and mother. If you do, you'll be blessed in the land. What land? The land that God was going to give to the Israelites. And if they were disobedient and dishonoring to parents and to all who have authority over them, they would not be blessed in that land. It was unique to them. And do not forget about the curses attached to the breaking of the second commandment, namely God's visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate Him, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love Him and keep His commandments. There was something about that unique to Old Covenant Israel and their experience before God under that covenant and as a nation. I've taught about this before. The point is this, and this is what you need to see for now. The moral law and the Ten Commandments are not to be equated because there are some things stated within them that were unique to Israel and are not for all people living in all times and places. Nevertheless, we say the moral law is comprehended 
summarily comprehended within the Ten Commandments. Two, the phrasing of this question and answer is important because the Ten Commandments are to be regarded as a summary of the moral law. In other words, the Ten Commandments do not say all that can possibly be said about living in a way that is right before God, but function instead as a summary of the moral law. The the moral law is summarily comprehended within the Ten Commandments. The implications of what is said in the Ten Commandments must be fleshed out, and this will be demonstrated beautifully for us in questions 45 through 89 of our Catechism. Those questions will follow this pattern. One of the Ten Commandments will be stated. Uh, What is the first commandment? And then it will be cited. And then after that, Uh, The catechism will ask, what does this commandment require? Answers will be given. And what does this commandment forbid? In other words, the implications of the Ten Commandments themselves will be fleshed out. The, the, The moral implications of it will be fleshed out. And I will add, with the help of Holy Scripture, because the rest of the Law of Moses does help us to know what these Ten Commandments require and forbid. For example, the Fifth Commandment, honor your father and mother, is said to require the preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, and equals. It's absolutely true. The rest of the scriptures make it clear. The fifth commandment itself says, honor your father and mother. But is that the only thing that it requires? If we are to live a moral and upright life before God, that children simply honor their parents? No, that is where things are to begin That is where we are to learn to show honor to those who have authority over us. But this commandment, honor your father and mother, actually requires that honor be shown to all people, all people, whatever their particular relationship to us is. And so here we have a good example of how the Ten Commandments is to be regarded as a summary, and it's to be fleshed out in terms of its moral implications. And finally... We come to question 47 of our Catechism, which asks, what is the sum of the Ten Commandments? Or maybe we could put it this way, what is the sum of the summary of God's moral law? Do you see how this is going here? First, God gave His moral law to Adam and to all humanity by writing it on His heart at creation. The moral law was there because we are image bearers of God. That moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments, but now we're asking, what is the sum of the Ten Commandments? What's the summary of it? The sum of the Ten Commandments is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. So if we want to live a life that is right before God, it's really all about love, isn't it? A love not defined by us, but love defined by God. Love first for God and also love for our fellow man. The proof text cited here are Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40 and Mark 12, 28 through 33. These passages are recorded for us as Jesus' answer to the question, what is the great commandment in the law? So he's being asked to make the law of Moses simple. You know, what is this law really all about? And so Jesus gets to the heart of it by saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments. This command to love God with everything that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And here Jesus was clearly summarizing 
the first four of the Ten Commandments when he spoke of the love that we are to offer up to God. And he was summarizing the last six of the Ten Commandments when he spoke of the love that we are to show to our neighbor. It should be remembered that this idea was not unique to Jesus. No, instead he was simply quoting the law of Moses itself, Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18, when he summarized the Ten Commandments in this way. So then, what is the duty that God requires of man? Obedience to His revealed will. This reminds me of what Jesus said to His disciples, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. John 14, 15. Do you love Jesus? Do you have faith in Him? Do you regard Him as your Savior and Lord? That is wonderful. He has saved you. He has washed away all of your sins. It is by grace alone. You've done nothing to earn it. That is all true. But if your love for Jesus is sincere, what will your impulse be? What will you desire to do? You'll desire to obey Him and to keep His commandments. If you love Me, Jesus says, you will keep My commandments. He does not say, keep My commandments to earn My love. But rather, if you indeed love Me, you will keep My commandments. And what did God at first reveal to man for the rule of His obedience? He gave man His moral law. He wrote it on Adam's heart at the time of creation. This is a part of what it meant for Adam and Eve to have been made in the image of God. Um, Human beings are moral creatures. We were created to worship and to serve God, to obey Him. But we know that man fell into sin. Does man still have a sense of right and wrong? Is he still a moral creature? Yes, indeed. But man is twisted, bent out of shape. This moral law that was written so clearly upon his heart at the time of creation has now been marred and distorted So as I've said before, men by nature do that which is evil and rebel against God their Maker. And where is this moral law summarized for us so that it might be known? The moral law is summarized for us. It's comprehended in the Ten Commandments. Brothers and sisters, I would urge you to memorize the Ten Commandments in the weeks and months to come as as we consider them. Memorize the Ten Commandments and pay careful attention to the teaching that is going to be brought to you concerning what the Ten Commandments require and forbid. We ought to desire to know what they require and forbid. We ought to desire to keep these commandments because we love God and we love Christ. And what is the sum of the Ten Commandments? The sum of the Ten Commandments is to love God with everything that we are and to love our neighbor as ourselves. I ask that the Lord would do two things for us. May He do two things for us. One, may He show us during this time that we study the Ten Commandments, the moral law. May He show us that we cannot keep this law, but daily break it in thought, word, and deed, and therefore are in need of a Savior, Christ the Lord. Some of you have already come to that conclusion, and that is wonderful. You're a a fellow brother or sister in Christ. You have faith in Christ. Praise the Lord for that. But may the Lord make us even more aware of this fact, that we are saved by His grace alone. Two, May He give us faith in Christ along with a renewed mind, heart, and will so that we might do what God has commanded out of gratitude for what He has graciously done for us as as our Creator and as our Redeemer. I would urge you, brothers and sisters, to try to memorize these questions and answers as we go through them. Uh, Every two years is our custom. Try to memorize them. I think there's something very powerful about memory We need to learn this language. We need to learn these phrases. And yes, we're going to be considering four questions and answers this week, but really they're easy. 
because the answers to questions 44 through 46 are mainly a restatement of the question. Have you noticed that? Uh, So they're very, very brief. And of course, question 47 should be familiar to us already. May the Lord help us in these things.